Welcome back to Design Huddle, a podcast for creative professionals looking to level up. This podcast is hosted by myself, Ryan Warner, a UX designer based in New York City, and my co-host, Brendan Gross, a digital strategist for Fortune 500s. This podcast is the intersection of design, business, people, and just possibly the next big idea. We interview designers, thought leaders, co-founders, influencers, and sometimes just our friends from Instagram. If you like design, the internet, or storytelling, this just might be your new favorite podcast. We have a ton of incredible episodes and content coming out soon, so please subscribe. And for now, let's dive in to today's episode of Design Huddle. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Design Huddle, we have a very amazing guest. His name is Adam Romano. He's a creative director at Jam 3 and a FWA judge. If you don't know what FWA is, you need to Google that. But basically, this is just a short way of saying he's a badass in the design industry with the taste level of a god. Now, we're very excited about what we're going to be getting into in today's episode. We're really going to roll back the tape on Adam's 10-year or decade-plus in the design industry. We're going to talk about how he first started into the creative landscape at the age of 14, really being shown the ropes by his father at 14, and really how he started his creative journey in the beginning of his life, so to speak. And just to give you guys a little bit of a taste of how impressive his career path is he's had the pleasure of working with brands such as Canon, The Guardian, Google, Adidas, Postmates, eBay, Facebook, and guys, that's just the beginning. He's had several awards from FWA, The Webbies, Adobe, in addition to two Canadian online publishing awards, gold and silver. So guys, please welcome our guest, Adam Romano, to Design Huddle. We're very excited about talking about his journey his challenges, his key learnings, and how he's overcome that. And we're going to break down exactly how you guys can reverse engineer success. So let's get into it. Will do. Yeah. Uh, well, for starters, thanks so much for having me. This is super exciting. So uh, this is great. Um, so yeah, I, I uh, so right, I'm a creative director right now at a studio called Jam3. Um, and uh, it's it's been a pretty wild ride for me. I, I've had sort of a an interesting, interesting sort of uh, history here. I, I, I guess I can kind of just start from the beginning if that's helpful. What do you guys think? Is that like a thing? Okay, cool. So, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I, I was a little, I, I was pretty lucky actually because <laughs> my dad actually is a graphic designer and he uh, kind of showed me the ropes pretty early on. Um, you know, we had Photoshop and we had Illustrator on our computer and stuff. So like, Having the tools there was a really, you know, natural way for me to sort of just kind of get into it. And, um, you know, I <laughs> I was playing this, I was really into this game called Final Fantasy, which I'm sure a lot of people know about. And um, it, uh, I really wanted to make this this website to sort of show, showcase my, my fandom for this, right? And in order to do that, I had to sort of, you know, learn some graphic design and stuff. So... Um, I ended up just kind of, you know, just playing around in Photoshop and uh, through a lot of sort of trial and error, uh, ended up making some really rudimentary web pages. Um, and for me, you know, it, it was, I, I actually never really had a point when I was like, oh, like this isn't really good work. I was always kind of like really stoked with what I was making, um, even though looking back, it really sucked. <laughs> but, you know, it was... <laughs> It, while I was doing it, I never really had that sort of self-doubt, you know, which helped me a lot, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, and then this was, around, this was around the time I was about 14 years old. So, um, you know, it was, 
I was still very young, uh, and but very also wide-eyed, right? So I wanted to sort of uh, just sort of explore and sort of see what I could do there, you know? Um, the question is, is the domain still live? It's not. I've actually looked a couple of times. It was called Final Fantasy Elite. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and this is like super embarrassing for me but you know it was it, it's a part of my past and i'm uh comfortable telling the story now so <laughs> yeah feel good so, in your own skin. Uh, yeah for, again for sure. this has got to be during I, I i get i'm getting the feeling this is around the aol instant messenger time is that accurate i'm not that old <laughs> but sort of <laughs> uh yeah actually this was this was around 2003 2004 kind of thing um yeah, so, uh, actually, oh, shit, you know, maybe a little earlier than that. Damn it, I am old. Fuck. <laughs> We're all Anyways. there with you. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so, damn it. So, um, you know, yeah, so for me, that was sort of, like, the start of it all. And by the time I actually ended up going to art college, I was, like, you know, I was kind of a little bit further ahead of people because I had sort of done all this sort of practice uh, on my own. Um, so those sort of, like initial years really kind of kickstarted me a little bit um it so while i was at art college i actually was pretty bored like i was not in a place where i was like feeling good i was pretty depressed um i wasn't feeling challenged by anything um and something kind of interesting happened i actually in my third year um ended up getting a zero in my graphic design class uh because i was like late three times, you know, and <laughs> unfortunately for me, like I had developed a bit of an ego and I was a little shit and I was like not coming to classes on time and stuff, you know? So it was like, definitely I had it coming, <laughs> but it was also a huge blow for me because I would have had to repeat my entire third year. Right. Yeah. So I had to make this sort of big decision whether or not I wanted to drop out or whether to continue. And I actually chose to drop out of college. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, it was just sort of an instinctual decision. And I was like, I'm done with this. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what happens kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it, it, in a strange way, ended up working out in a odd kind of way. Um, in the years, like, following that, I, like, did retail for, like, three years, and I just stopped doing design, because um, I was really discouraged by everything, and I was like, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of done with this, um, but it was still in me, and it was something I still wanted to do, and I was still doing it on the side, I just wasn't making a career of it, um, so... What, what were the challenges that you were facing that kind of turned you off to design? Obviously, like, you know, showing up to class is something that all college kids struggle with a little bit, but there is there, is there, is there something that made you kind of fall out of love with design? It was honestly, for me, it was, I was in a situation where I was, what I was doing what I considered to be very good work at the time. And I wasn't getting like recognition from people. So like I was developing this really nasty ego really, really early on in my career. Um, and it was, um, you know, I think it's sort of a, it's almost a little bit of a curse to sort of have, you know, I think what I sort of saw as this sort of innate talent for design or whatever, right. because it actually made me really kind of cocky and really difficult to work with, you know? Um, so it took me like, I was actually 24 when I actually got my first design job. Uh, cause I just sort of stopped doing it, you know? Um, but it's funny cause all actually the, the experience I kind of got through going into retail actually ended up being very valuable for me because I developed really great communication skills and like, you know, uh, learning how to sort of sell things and communicate, like talk to people and stuff. So uh, I got a lot out of that. Um, it just sort of was definitely a bit of a delay uh, in, in sort of, uh, you know, I think more the traditional sort of process, you know? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So, you know, you got an early exposure at 14, thanks to your dad, got exposure to some, you know, design tools, design software, Went to school, went to a, a, a graphic design school. You went to school in Canada, right? Yeah, I went to a school called OCAD. Awesome. Yeah, so went to school, kind of had a falling out, dropped out, went into retail, uh, you know, still had this passion kind of deep inside of you. So what brought you back um, to your first, you know, maybe uh, first job in the industry? So it was the kind of thing where I kind of knew that I didn't want to stay in retail. It wasn't going to be, you know, the path for me because I knew that I, I still liked doing design. But I had this weird chance 
chance lunch with this coworker of mine after I had sort of quit working at the Gap, <laughs> and she was like, "Hey, like let's get let's grab lunch." So we met up, and she brought along two friends of hers that um, ended up had just started a studio in Toronto called Playground, and. Um, you know, they're like, hey, just like we discussed about like how I'd sort of stopped doing design and stuff. And they're like, you know what, just shoot us your portfolio, see where you're at. And um, I, I ended up having a great interview with them and I ended up being their first employee. And um, it, it was like an incredible experience for me because I was so thrilled to be part of a team and really kind of see if I could still do this. And uh, what was great for me is the fact that this was a small studio. And I think, you know, the the stakes were they felt lower like it didn't feel as intimidating as going to this big agency and trying to have to prove myself um but you know I actually ended up staying there for four years and uh what was great is for me starting out in a small studio let me develop my skills exponentially like I had to wear so many different hats and I was like presenting the clients I was having to figure out what UX was I had to figure out all this stuff that I just hadn't been taught before and you know learn on the job so, you know, I sometimes when I'm sort of talking to sort of students starting out, I often recommend to start in a smaller studio because you just get so much, so much experience so quickly. I definitely agree with that. Uh, like smaller studio, you just because you have to wear a lot of hats and you just <laughs> because you have to wear so many hats and there's not there's not enough people to like, you know, do this or that. You get to touch so many of the. Diff different attributes that you normally wouldn't in a siloed company who has the shitload of money that they can just shell out to hire people. So I definitely agree with you there. Yeah, it's so true. And, and it's, it, yeah, totally. There's a, there is a, there's another side to this. Like, you know, working in a larger agency gives you a completely different sort of skill set as well. And th th one isn't better than the other, but for me personally, like, I found that it was the right fit for me. Uh, and I, uh, because I had sort of taken that gap, I grew to the point where I kind of needed to get to uh, in sort of a, a really kind of short amount of time. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So if, 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 if for everyone that steps into a design role or an agency, whether, you know, their first job, they're super excited. What advice do you have for them to like set themselves up as success as someone that can get the job done? Yeah. Um, so for me also, you know, it, it was, it was, uh, I was very humbled to, to sort of like get this sort of uh, job after having taken a break for a long time. So for me, uh, I'll tell you, actually, I'll step, take a step back. What I never lost was my curiosity and uh, that sort of hunger for learning about everything and keeping my eyes open. Um, so for me, I think the best experience that I got, uh, it, you can't really sort of teach this. It's just something you kind of have to sort of, you know, um, look out for, just keep your eyes open to everything and be willing to, um, you know, take on projects that maybe you don't want to take on, but like sometimes those are the best ones that sort of help you develop a set of skills that you might not know you're developing, you know? Um, you know, I think that I sort of had uh, an idea of the type of work I wanted to do, but, uh, you know, I wasn't always consistently getting that. Um, but I think, you know, and I can say this sort of in retrospect now, of course, it's much easier, but like trying to remain humble um, about those type of things is is so, so important. Definitely. And I really like how you said you, you had an idea of where you wanted to go. Like even in the back of your mind, even when you were doing this stuff, like in the, you were at Gap doing the retail sort of thing. You were like, I'm just doing this. But, in the, you know, in, when you went home, you were still practicing. You knew you had a love for it. And then when an opportunity arose, just like you were saying, keep your eyes open, be hungry. When the opportunity arose, when you had that lunch with your coworker, you said yes to the opportunity and brought yourself back on track. So I really do think, um, you know, it's really important to have or wouldn't you say it's really important to have a, you know, a goalpost for yourself? I mean, you kind of had that like subconsciously, wouldn't you say so? I totally did. Um, and, I, and it's funny because like in the back of my mind, I, yeah, like I was like, I want to be a creative director someday, even though I didn't really know what that was. Yeah. But I kind of like, you know, that's like the end goal or whatever. Mm. So, um, yeah, like that was that was still in the back of my head, but the path seemed like it was really far out. Um, but I I knew that this opportunity that was presenting itself seemed like, 
you know, a great first step. Um, so I think, you know, yeah, keeping your eyes open to any sort of opportunity like that, uh, when they come about, when it comes about is, is, is very important. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. I, just to change gears a little bit, Adam, um, you're like a, a really phenomenal visual designer. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, your process and how you get inspired and like maybe some mistakes that visual designers come in that you may, may, may have mentored before. So if you're a visual designer, how do you stand out? How do you come up with your own like, you know, personal brand and style when there's so much going on and where is it? Okay. And I'd also love to get your thoughts on like when it's okay to also like borrow ideas and share some ideas and places that you use to get inspired. For sure. Um, so yeah, there's kind of a, f- a few different things there. So uh, in terms of just like inspiration places I go to get inspired, it's, it's actually rarely design, you know, it, it's often other areas. So, um, for, for, for me actually, um, I, I find like a lot of like, I'll, I'll get ideas when I'm listening to music or I'm like in a completely different headspace than, actively trying to come up with ideas, you know, um, which is why I actually also recommend to a lot of people to try to find your, like your second passion and, uh, use that as sort of a way to sort of refresh your, your mind when you're sort of looking for inspiration for things. Uh, cause oftentimes we can get very siloed, you know, when we're sort of trying to sort of come up with that idea or trying to find that one path. Um, so yeah, trying to find whatever that sort of second passion is or a second, creative outlet, I think for me at least has become extremely valuable with jam three specifically, we have sort of a, you know, um, there's definitely sort of an expectation that people who coming in are going to be like just all around superstar designers, uh, in terms of, you know, um, their understanding of typography and grid systems and, uh, all, all that type of stuff. And for me, like, I really want to see like real fundamentals understood in people's portfolios. So I would spend as much time as you can understanding like typography, I think is actually like a really underrated skill in this industry. Um, and it's so it's like so important because um, it really is the, it's the building blocks of almost everything that we do. Right. And being able to like typeset body copy properly is like actually one of the first things I look for in someone's portfolio. Like, cause to me that doesn't just communicate body copy. It communicates an attention to detail and it communicates so many other things more than just that, you know? So I think really getting a real grasp of those fundamentals is, is so, so important. Um, and, and trying to master them as much as you can. Got it. I actually want to go back to what you said about um, the second passion. I think it's really important, but I have a, a specific question about that. With the second passion, do you, like, because when you said that, I imagine, like, damn, he's out on the beach, like, he saw some sand, and then he just busted out, like, a cool-ass design the next day. Do you, you <laughs> like, like do, you, do you get your design inspiration from other designs, or are, you, are we talking about, like, use your second passion as, like, a mind relaxer? So that you have, you give your, your mind some time to breathe on what you un, in took from your, your design work that day. So it has space right. to think. Okay. So, oh, sorry. Yeah. So just to clarify there. Yeah. It is sort of more the latter there in terms of like, yeah, giving yourself a bit of a pause in terms of actually like literal places where you can find, you know, inspiration from, um, it's really honestly like it is just about keeping your eyes open to everything like i sometimes when i'm out like and i'm not going to say i don't get inspired by visual design of course i do um you know when i'm out and i'm seeing you know um a bus ad that i think is particularly well designed or i'm seeing you know um uh, honestly like it's just it could be like a piece of furniture you know like I like the lines. I like the sort of um, light that this specific lamp is giving off, you know, that can spark something that I'm doing on an installation somewhere, you know, it's like keeping a bit of like a mental inventory of these type of things and making sure that you're just absorbing everything like a sponge. Cause especially when you start out like that sort of hunger and uh, you know, just it's the process of keeping your eyes open to absolutely everything. Um, And, uh, but I mean, that being said, you know, like if you're looking for like (laughs) inspiration on like, you know, we, we obviously make mood boards and stuff at jam three, we use Behance, we use Pinterest, all that good stuff, you know, um, arena, but you know, there's, um, it's, 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 I think in general, it's really just about 
yeah, just like soaking it all in. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I took to- yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, no, I I, d- I think that makes a ton of sense. I I think a lot of designers, um, whether it's from peers or just taking a break and getting inspired from the world around us, I I, I think it's such a simple but um great reminder that like you know sometimes the next you know your next best idea could be right around the corner so just to transition a little bit i'd love to hear a little bit more about jam three um you guys are based in toronto you are really focused on solving problems by using obviously design i'd love to hear about jam a little bit more about jam three and like what is your job as a creative director look like sure um yeah so yeah that's right so we're based in toronto we have Four, actually four different offices now. We have Toronto, LA, Montevideo, in Uruguay, and just recently in Amsterdam. So uh, we're kind of taking over the world. It's uh, very nice. Um, <laughs> world dominant. So yeah, we're, we're, that's right. So we're um, we're a design and experience studio, uh, and we sort of take on a wide variety of different types of projects. But we're we're full service. We do end to end. So. Uh, you know, uh, I think strategy, UX, design, development, QA, um, it sort of runs the full gambit there. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, honestly like it's a, like for me, it's such a great place to work. Um, it's the favorite place. It's my favorite place I've ever worked. Um, mostly just cause of the, the culture. I, I just love the people I work with and they inspire me. And, uh, you know, um, I've been able to sort of, we spend a lot of time sort of hiring people who are going to sort of inspire one another. So uh, that's that's great. I, I love that. Um, in terms of the, uh, the type of work that we do, it sort of ranges. Um, anything from big builds, uh, interactive documentaries, installations. Um, you know, uh, it's it sort of runs the gamut there as well. So Very cool. Then what, can you talk a little bit about your role as a creative director and what your day-to-day looks like? Yeah, so um, usually I'm on anywhere from four to five projects at a time, uh, sort of overseeing the uh, general creative direction of each one of those projects. Um, I'm, oh, actually, I shouldn't talk about what I'm on right now. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but in terms <laughs> Spoiler of... Spoiler <laughs> um, No, it's... Uh, uh, but yeah, usually it's, it's uh, you know, uh, tends to be sort of larger projects. Uh, we have uh, creative directors, we have associate creative directors and we have sort of art directors and those are sort of usually the the, the key leads there are uh, creative leads on the projects and uh you know as a cd we sort of take on sort of the larger scale projects um i, I, I can sort of just say uh i'm working on a, like sort of a larger installation right now for a larger clothing brand um and it's really much it's really about sort of ensuring that all of the sort of uh you know the i's are dotted and the t's are crossed and uh, everything's sort of running smoothly um and uh i can sort of speak a little bit about the differences that i've noticed between being a creative director and a designer would that be helpful yeah it'd be great yeah for me you know after i had spent it's actually kind of it's kind of a cop-out um after you sort of spend <laughs> all this time getting so good at your craft and like you know mastering typography and all these crazy grid systems and stuff and just making sure that you know all your work is like super 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 tight you kind of just like drop it all and you're completely hands off and it's about (laughs) guiding a group of incredibly talented designers who um are you know uh (laughs) it's just it's like a completely different career and it was so jarring for me and i was terrible at it when i first started like when i was like my, like my ACDJs, I was, I was, it was rocky for me um, because I still had this instinct of, you know, guiding people's hand because uh, mm. that's what all I knew, you know, I hadn't yeah. learned the vocabulary to sort of inspire people and get them to sort of come up with ideas themselves, you know, um, or sort of like ask the right questions. Um, it was very much just about, you know, oh, uh, this font would look good here. Uh, you should, you know, move this. Like, I was just getting very granular about things. And, you know, they, everything looked great, but, like, everyone hated working with me. So, <laughs> you know, that's 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 not ideal. So, um, you know, it, it took me a while to really sort of find my groove. Um, well, let's, par- let's, but, let's, you know, let's park right here. Sure. So let's, let's dig into what actually made you, like, what discovering did you need to do to make that shift? 
into being a better creative director? Like, what was the thing you were like, shit, you know, people don't like it when I put my hand on their mouse. We got to fix this. So what, what? run us through what you did to kind of make that change for yourself. Yeah. So, you know, I, I actually, um, while I was sort of an ACD, I had a really great manager uh, who was sort of the exact opposite of who I am. And in in it interesting like I would just see the way he would like everyone loved working with him because he was just such an inspiring kind of guy. His name's Roger, by the way. He's fantastic. But um, he, uh, you know, um, I would see the way he would ask these type of questions to people and get incredible results without having to sort of provide the answer. Uh, and it was uh, it was really just a matter of again just like observing him and keeping my eyes open, right, to his methods and stuff. But that also caught, caught me up a little bit because I'm a completely different person than this guy, you know? And for the, the first, like, year and a half, I was beating myself up about this because I wasn't getting results because we're also, like, the, his method wasn't exactly working for me, you know? Mm. Uh, so what I found incredibly empowering was realizing that it's okay that I'm not him, you know? And... Uh, recognizing that there's so many different ways to be a creative director. You know, if you actually look at all the creative directors we have in the company, there's about five of them, I think. Uh, I probably got that wrong, but <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> we're all, we're, I'm going to get in trouble, but uh, we're, we're all very different people. And, um, you know, once I started to find my voice and mm -hmm. recognize that I could sort of take like a process that he found successful, but put my own spin on it. Right. Uh, I started to get a lot of results and um, I just felt like so much better. So, yeah. Yeah. I really, I really like that. It's just like you found a pattern that worked for somebody and then you were like, all right, that doesn't work for me because I may or may not work in this sort of manner. But then you put your own flavor on, you put some chocolate chips in your pancakes and you were like, yes, <laughs> that's right. This is correct. <laughs> this shit <laughs> is actually right. good. Yeah. Uh, but you know, like, finding like acknowledging that those were my chocolate chips and like it's like you know you know recognizing that i had um you know chocolate chips to give you know because i think for me for me i i i it was a lot of self-doubt there too you know and i was like i don't maybe this isn't for me maybe i'm just a designer who shouldn't be doing this you know um you know and it took a long time for me to sort of you know uh get better at those things. And I think for me, like I'm proud of myself for not giving up. Uh, cause I think I actually do have something to give here and I think I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job. So, yeah. So what, just like specifically, like if you could, cause you get, you got, you got thousands of people listening right now. And so what, if you could be like, if you're talking to yourself in the past and you could just like whisper, um, somehow you're in the quantum realm, whatever, whatever, just make the scenario. You are now whispering in your past self's ear and you're like, just do this one, two or three things, whether that's like find a mentor, uh, figure out what they're doing and put your spin on it. What exactly would you tell yourself in like a one, two, three step process that is like has that has your past self like, oh, I just got to do this. What would that what would that sound like coming from your mouth? You know, uh, yeah, totally. This is this is great. So um, so for me, you know recognizing that imposter syndrome is real mm. and it is extremely common. Uh, it, just because people look like they got their shit together doesn't mean they do. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, telling myself, you know, it's okay to not, you know, to be scared and, uh, you know, you'll, <laughs> you'll get through this. That That's, that's a huge lesson for me. And actually uh, to sort of, there's something else I think that is actually, it's actually pretty pervasive in this industry. It's, it's that like a lot of people have anxiety, you know, uh, it's a real, it's a real thing and it's not really talked about too much. Yeah. Um, I have a ton of anxiety, uh, but you know, it, for me, it's, it's about, um, recognizing that it's okay and being like more mindful and just sort of making sure that I'm in uh, making sure that I'm sort of taking care of myself and, you know, I, I meditate now that helps a lot too. Cause it's like, you know, this industry is pretty stressful. Like there's, there's a lot going on too. So, uh, you know, making sure that you're treating yourself really, really well is, is super important. Um, what else? 
uh, yeah, I, I would I would completely have tried to be nicer to people, recognizing that, <laughs> you know, I, I had a lot of ego and I was like stepping on people to get to where I needed to be. And like, that's just such a shitty way to do things, you know? Um, and, you know, if no one wants to work with you, sure, you like the final product might be great, but the next project's not going to be so great because, no. you know, you're getting your reputation. So, you know, if you're hot shit, lose your ego because it's not going to do you any favors, you know? Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Just, yeah. to, just to, Adam, I got to, we're going to change gears a little bit. This question might seem out of left field after what we just talked about, but um, this is a softball for you. If you had to delete every app on your phone, but you could only keep three, what three apps are you keeping? Oh my God. <laughs> that's, that's really hard. Um, Okay. The okay. So the shit. That's really hard. Um, I am a self-proclaimed Instagram fanatic, so I I really hate that I would choose that, but I probably would. Um, ugh, yeah. God. Um, I don't know. Like, oh god. I oh god. It's so boring. I, I like I use. My, I couldn't use them. I couldn't leave without my calendar, <laughs> you know, like that's really fucking boring too, but it's a thing, you know? <laughs> um, and, uh, Oh God, I don't know. Like, I know you have some say, beard oil apps in there. Don't lie. I want to <laughs> say like, I want to say like, I mean, God, I use like, Oh, I sound like such a dick. I use like lift a lot. <laughs> that's allowed. Right, We're allowed right, to so, Uber and Lyft. So what what I'm hearing is you're going to be scheduling Instagram meetings while taking lifts. That's sure, perfect life, not? right there. <laughs> Let me sign me up. Wait, Brendan, I've never heard oh yours. God. What are what are yours, real quick? Well, obviously, I'm not going to delete my text messages. Anchor hashtags uh, ad hoc sponsored <laughs> message. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we, we we teed that up perfectly. <laughs> Instagram and Amazon. Who? Oh my God! You messed up. You messed oh, up. Shit. Amazon, how how eh? are you even gonna forget about Amazon? The Amazon app. I just. Ordered you know my- what? I just. So I'm. I'm now looking at my phone because I'm kind of cheating a little bit here. Um. I. I couldn't. Like. I use voice memos all the fucking time. Oh like, wow. All the time. Um. So I feel like I couldn't live without that one. I like. It's. It's constant. Um. And I'd have to take so I have to sacrifice. See, I'm the kind of person that like, like, records voice memos, but then I never go back and like re-listen to them, or like I can't organize them well. So I struggle with how I've struggled with making voice memos productive, like making me more productive. I love the the t- obviously the it's more efficient and saves time, but like I, I struggle with the organization aspect. It's a terrible app. Like it's the worst app, but it's like the <laughs> the problem is like no one's really made a good one. Like they all kind of stink. Um, so and like every time that like Apple releases a new version of iOS, I'm like, they're going to fix it this time. And then they just don't. And the UX is terrible. So it's, um, yeah, uh, but I use it all. Like I'm, so I'm also like, Thank, thanks for sharing that. I know I put you on the spot there, but that's my new question. Oh, no, not at all. I, I'm all about like digital wellness. So kind of cutting out the clutter, like what, what three things do you need? It's like the modern version of like, if you could only take three things on a desert Island, everyone's like, Oh my God, only three apps on my phone. Like, wait, hold on, know. Adam. Are you, are you team yeah. Google? Or are you team, um, iPhone or some random Android team Google? Oh, team, oh um, I am a Be very baby. careful. Um, okay. All right. Yeah. I know. You're, you're allowed on design uh, huddle. We, I sometimes, we sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> Ryan and is sometimes he's like Brandon. You really should just switch over. We just um, or Google just announced you know the new the new phone. I almost called it an iPhone. See, I just think phones yeah, are right. iPhones. Are Brandon, you're not doing this any justice. You like like obviously you got to understand the, 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 the differences. But I want to I want to bring it but back you know for, like, for, for oh, sorry. No, no, I want to bring it back for like you know just a few few questions because I want to make the the best use of this time, Adam. Even though I I, I could talk about you know, apps in the ecosystem. You guys both messed up, by the way. You definitely should have had a, had a web browser as one of your apps because your phone's not, because with a web browser, oh, it's shit. basically the gateway to the rest of the internet. I, I said that. You're totally right. I've also given this more thought, so that's not really, that's not really Next fair. Next one. But, um, yeah, you're kind of cheating a little bit. Anyways. <laughs> All right, Adam, two quick questions. If you could have an exotic animal as a pet, what would it be? And also, what are your future plans? Like, what do you want to do next? Cool. Um, exotic animal. Um, I 
I'm, I'm a, I love cats. Um, I feel like I would get a big lion because I've always I've always wanted. It's, it's got to be exotic. So like, are we talking like a saber tooth tiger or? Oh, I mean, isn't a lion exotic? That's kind of a thing, oh, I didn't I didn't it? hear you say lion. That lion is an exotic animal. That's good. <laughs> I was like, that's like I don't think you get much more exotic than that. It's <laughs> off. Yeah, no lion counts. All right, cool. So yeah. the my so just tell us a little bit about like what you want to do next. Obviously, it sounds like you have a good setup at Jam 3, but I'd love to hear like what you're planning and maybe how the agency is evolving and thinking about the future. Yeah, totally. Um, so, you know, for me, I've, I've always actually wanted to work on like an IP game or something. I'm a big gamer. So uh, for me, like that's my next dream project. I would love to do like maybe like an adventure game um, for iOS or something like that to sort of... Uh, you know, uh, you know, like I always like go back to Monument Valley as this like incredible game that I think is like uh, just so meditative to play, but it's also just stunningly beautiful and the type is gorgeous and it just feels great doing it. So uh, I I've always wanted to sort of you know make a or a puzzle game or something like that that sort of has that sort of simplicity to it. And what I like about games is that there is you know um, so much nuance and subtlety to it to sort of you know create a challenging experience that isn't is also you know fun and beautiful so for me that's sort of kind of got it all and i would love to sort of have that experience at some point in my life i just want to point out the the key the keywords in that adventure game for ios yeah okay next question (laughs) adventure game for for ios i'm a little bit of a i'm a a little bit of a gamer myself what games are like are we talking console or pc what kind of games you playing yeah i'm i'm a ps4 guy um so i yeah like i i've played like virtually every single one of them like i'm i'm obsessed uh I, uh, I'm playing a game called Control right now. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it. Uh, it's like this sort of like uh, game you're trapped in this like bureau of mind reading stuff and it's, it's wild. You like have all this like psychokinetic powers. It's so much fun. Um, and, and I'm really looking forward to like the new Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, that's coming out soon. Yeah, so love it. Yeah, no, the only reason I, I bring up the gaming piece is because it's, um, it's obviously, it's insane that it's, like, now a more popular, big, a faster-growing industry than, like, movie and, like, as a media, you know, consumption continues to just break every record out there. I'm actually from yeah. Philadelphia, and they're building one of the first esports arenas, so I just find this oh, whole wow. industry, like, a lot of um, designers that can kind of figure out the right ways to tie their interest in gaming with business opportunities. I think it's just, uh, there's a ton of opportunity there. So being a designer, oh, being yeah. a gamer, I'm sure you kind of see the overlap, um, especially because it's such a visual um, medium that people love consuming, obviously. To- totally. Actually, I just ran a um, recently about actually about two, two weeks, two, sorry, two months ago, uh, we ran this, we do these sort of like these things called innovation sprints at jam three that sort of, they're like little incubators for ideas um, and I ran one, it was a gaming innovation sprint about trying to sort of think about like the future of, uh, cloud gaming and what sort of opportunities that sort of presents. Um, and, uh, the Id- kind of ideas we came up with were so wild. It was so cool. And just thinking about like that as an ecosystem that really hasn't really been explored too much. Um, like what sort of opportunities for interaction, what sort of inter- opportunities for, you know, IP, uh, what does that present and uh, it was a total blast. So, yeah, I think, you know, thinking about those sort of, um, you know, those sort of realms, I think is, is really important right now. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree yeah. more. I want to get into the conversation about ego because it, I've just felt what you were talking about really resonated with me. This is also the reason I dropped out of school. I actually wrote. I was such an ass. I, I was so pissed that my graphic design teacher did not know what a hex code was. I literally asked one, one day, and they did not know. So I wrote an entire blog post on her. And granted, oh guys, God. I was like 16 or whatever, I, maybe 17. I, I graduated high school early. And um, I wrote an entire like blog post about how she didn't know what a hex code was. And if you Googled her name, it was like my blog post. Than her like job position at the school, no. so I really jacked her up. I feel so bad. Oh, I went no. back to the school. I didn't know what I was doing back then, <laughs> but I was just I kind of had that ego too, and I really had to like go back and make amends for a lot of the the silly and 
um, stupid stuff I did in my career. So like going back to where it was like you're very skilled and you're in school and having to deal with like almost like emotional management. You practiced, you know, like you were saying, you practice your skill way outside of, you know, school. And you were introduced to this sort of thing, um, you know, by your dad. You were doing your due diligence on your own. And then you went to school and you were like, yo, what is this other trash that I'm seeing and not getting recognized? Like, how would you would would you go back in time and fix what you did or? Would you like, no, that's a very good learning experience. And how does that sort of experience make you look at where you are today? How does that whole experience impact you? No, that's, that's a great question. I, I honestly, like I've, I've thought about this <clears throat> question, excuse me, so many times and trying to figure out if that was a good experience for me. And uh, I think I'm at the point in my life where I reckon I think it, it actually was um, because I think that I the lessons that I learned, I think, actually, I'm, I'm going to take a step back there. In an alternate reality, if I had completed OCAD, I probably would have moved off to California, become a product designer, and had a completely different life. And it would yeah. have been, um, a com- like, literally a completely different life. Uh, and I wouldn't have discovered that I love interaction design, and I love working on installations and all that kind of stuff. And maybe I would have later in my career, who knows? But uh, the the things that I sort of discovered uh, by going down the path that I did, you know, it, it kind of afforded me a whole different set of opportunities. Yeah. So I think that, you know, I, I do I do think about this sometimes, about like, you know, sometimes you kind of wake up in the middle of the night being like, oh my God, like... <laughs> Did I make a mistake? But no, like I, I think it all kind of ended up working out. Um, and uh, and I'm not trying to encourage anyone for dropping out of college. I, that's yeah. not you know, <laughs> that's not usually uh, a great path. Um, but you know, for it worked for me. And um, you know, that's all I can really say about that. Yeah, and we're not we're not saying to write blog posts either, guys. Do not. That was probably that's right. Neither. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I I think that's just a a great question because it's always like, yes, the past has allowed us to get to where we are today, but then it gives us lessons to teach the or so we think to teach the up and coming generation. And then there's that saying that history always happens to repeat itself because the person that is now in our shoes has to learn from experience because it is hard to learn from, quote unquote, a theory from somebody else's experience as they grew up. And I'm only calling it a theory because it's it's applicable to that person's life that lived it. But there's other situations that have occurred in the person who's now living that part of their life. So I think it's always a good thing to just see how people think about their past experiences. And especially since yours is very, very close to mine. So I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Of course. Yeah, no problem. And I completely agree with you. So, yeah, that's great. So what like what keeps you going day to day? Like, what is, like, you wake up, what is the reason you're going? What is the, you know, the reason that you're out here and you're like, yo, I'm really killing at Jam 3. I'm like, the hot shit. My team is hot shit. The people, you know, the whole company, we're really doing great things out here. You want to be, you know, create your own iOS game in the future. What allows you to be in such a good mood? What is your driver? Yeah. Uh, again, that's also a great question. And I, I think that uh, for me, it's been... Um, a search to sort of curate the best sort of situation for myself. And I recognized early on that there's a a couple of things that I really sort of needed. And the first is being around, I think I mentioned this before, but being around people that inspire me. And, you know, for me, it really is that that's, is my reality. You know, I, I come into work every day and everyone around me teaches me new things absolutely every day. And because I am the type of person who, you know, just loves to learn things. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's like a little feast every day and I'm constantly, uh, you know, I'm trying to grow. So, uh, for me that that's inspiring and, uh, you know, keep, keeps me going for sure. Um, and then, I mean, beyond that, it's really just about, you know, my love of creation and I just love to make things like I'm a musician too so like I, I I'll come home and uh you know I I like writing songs on the piano and stuff and with my band and uh you know those 
type of things about essentially like waking up in the morning and then by the time you go to go to bed at night you've made something that you can sort of think about and be proud of and as you sort of go to bed think about the thing that you made it's it's there's no feeling like it it's fantastic so i um for me that's my reason for getting up in the morning love it making something that you're proud of so for everybody who is listening to design huddle where can we find you adam and where can we see what's happening with you, what you've been doing in the future, and how can we keep up with you? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, yeah, for starters, thank you so much for having me here. This has been great. Uh, it's been a great little chat. So thanks. Um, well, uh, for my personal stuff, you can check me out uh, uh, on Behance at, at Adam Romano. Same hashtag, same, um, uh, same for Instagram, at Adam Romano, Twitter, same thing. Um, and for GM3, Go to gm3.com, check out our work. Um, yeah, that's kind of it. Guys, we want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of Design Huddle. Real quick, just some quick key learnings that you may or may not have gotten from this episode. Just to sim it down really quick, what I and Ryan really gotten from this is that practice is key. You know, Adam really talked about in the beginning, even before school, you know, at the age of 14, his dad really showed him the ropes practice is super important to getting to a high level of proficiency at what it is that you do and he was overly prepared for college to the point where he was you know bored so to speak and therefore it led him into his career of you know having a strong skill set and then when the opportunity arose in which he could capitalize on to continue his career he was able to do so but only because even though he was working at a retail job he was able to showed that his skill set was there because he was practicing on a daily basis. Guys, practice is key. Paper, you know, we're not saying don't go to school, but even if you do go to school, make sure you are practicing above and beyond what is asked of you. If you do that, you will excel in your career no matter what because it's not what somebody tells you to do. You are driven by your own dri- <laughs> driven by your own drive or really you're steering yourself. Don't wait for somebody else to tell you to do something. Feel what you have to bring into the world, steer yourself to your own success. Two, make sure you keep your ego in check. Just like we both shared our stories, it, you know, even though you do practice and you have a very proficient skill level, there's two different things that make a great leader. A high efficiency in terms of a skill set, but also being humble enough to realize when you have to be human, bring your standards not down, but realize who is around you so that you can help them grow, not put them down. So understand that your skill set may be high, but understand your surroundings, who you can help, who you can bring up with you rather than putting them down. I think that's a very big thing that I took from this specific interview with Adam. And I think it's a great learning experience under or a great key get takeaway from this this interview. So one, practice. Two, know where you are. And three, know where other people are. If your skill set is that high, can you add some value to their life, bring their skill level up, and then have you know a companion, a friend who is you know, very thankful for you sharing your high-level skill set with them. And that's how you make friends. That's how you make companions. And that's how you grow to, together as a, a group, a clan, a tribe. And four, even though I kind of like jump numbers, you know, Gems for young designers. Really understand your fundamentals, right? Adam talked about, you know, hiring people who understand absolutely the fundamentals because you can build a foundation on top of fundamentals. If you don't have the fundamentals, that's a shaky foundation and it's very hard for people to teach you more advanced tactics, strategies, and whatnot on top of a shaky foundation. So if you're look if you guys are new in your career, which is the most of our audience here, understand Specifically, what you're going into, you know, whatever position you're going to, understand what are the foundational pieces, skills, whatnot that you need to have down pat so that you can excel and then stack more skills on top of that. And another thing that I really thought was extremely important was have a goalpost for yourself or have some sort of idea of where you want to go. And if you don't have that, really pause everything that you're doing sit down and really think to yourself or try to figure out what is it that drives you? What is it that is your passion? And what do you want to go towards? 
I think this is something that not everybody has figured out. Um, I've seen, you know, me and Adam are fairly similar. We both had very correlating stories. But, you know, one thing that he always had in the back of mind, regardless of what he was doing, was the idea of what it is that he saw for himself, his dream. And that was to be a creative director at some point in his career. And so that when an opportunity, he, he was practicing continuously with that idea in his mind, subconsciously running, and therefore he practiced, practice design, practice design. And finally, when a job opportunity opened up, he was prepared to take advantage of that opportunity, say yes, and grow his career from that opportunity. So no matter what we're doing, have a image of your mind, regardless of what you're doing, if you're in a shitty situation, if you're in a good situation, always have in your mind or take the time to create that image in your mind of what it is that you want for yourself so that when an opportunity arises that is in alignment with what you want for yourself, you can say yes, you are prepared and you can, you know, just pull the trigger and go for what it is that you want. Have an idea of what you want for yourself. So, guys, that's really it. To bullet point it, practice, stay humble, teach others, mentor, in addition to f met, be a mentee, always learn, keep the white belt men the mindset. And for those of you who don't do martial arts, the white belt, no matter how advanced you get, always be learning. Ask people how they do things, continuously learn, keep an open mind. Four, fundamentals must be strong, build a strong house on a strong foundation. And five, really have an image for what it is that you want in life. Keep that in your mind so you can, that gives you energy on a day-to-day -day basis. No matter where it is, keep that in your mind and say, you know what, we're here right now, but in my mind, I know we're making the decisions, we're making the moves to move myself closer inch by inch to what I have in my mind's eye that I want for myself. So guys, that is this episode. Don't forget to leave reviews for Design Huddle. That helps us out so much. And we'll see you on social media. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Design Huddle Time, as well as Ryan Warner and Brandon Gross. All right, guys, Design Huddle, Brandon Gross, out. Design Huddle is a podcast that is hosted by Ryan Warner and Brendan Gross. The opinions stated here are our own and not those of our company. Thank you for tuning in, and please feel free to share this episode.